So we run what I term or what myself and my co-founder, Kenop, what we term as a media entertainment company. And that media entertainment company or media entertainment group is essentially made up of two distinct organizations. One, Film House Cinemas and the other, Film One Entertainment. Hello, you're listening to The Experience Pod. My name is Ada Irikefe. The Experience Pod is a one-on-one interview-led podcast that discusses the adoption and utilization of relevant emerging technologies and trends for impact-oriented professionals, researchers, developers, and students who demand realistic and thought-provoking perspectives on the opportunities and challenges presented by these phenomena in our unique environment. So today we discuss lights, camera, and disruption. Cool way to say that. (laughs) Nollywood is one of the largest film industry in the world and has been touted as a major contributor to Nigeria's economy. In 2016, the UN estimated that the industry already employed over 1 million people. Since then, the industry has continued to grow with record box office numbers and international distribution partnership with global players such as Disney, Amazon, and Netflix. However, as with many industries, the pandemic threw a major spanner in the works. With cinemas having to close and film production grinding to a halt by March 2020, Statista, put the loss to the global industry at $7 billion. Research firm Ampere Analysis suggests that this is not just a blip and forecasts a global loss of $160 billion to industry growth from 2020 to 2025. Now these for me are mind blowing figures. Now for Nollywood, Disruption has presented many challenges, but also new opportunities. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Moses Babatope, co-founder and managing director of Film One Entertainment and the group executive director at Film One Cinema. We'll be discussing how Nollywood coped with the disruption caused by the pandemic and what this means for the future of Nigerian film industry. So it's great to have you here, Moses. Thank you, Ada. Thank you for that glowing pretext or context. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I just read out some crazy, crazy numbers. And I can't wait to hear how you are creating magic despite the gloom. So I will go right into it. So when many people think of or hear of Film House, a lot may not know the full extent of your activities. Could you please give our audience a quick introduction to all your operations within the film industry? All right, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ada. So we run what I term, or what myself and my co-founder, Kenop, what we term as a media entertainment company. And that media entertainment company or media entertainment group is essentially made up of two distinct organizations one film house cinemas and the other film one entertainment i like to break them down in simple terms one is more brick and mortar Mm -hmm. business where people have an experience of going to a physical location 
to experience seeing the film on the big screen. And that's one side. And the other side of the business is what I term the content part of the business, where we're involved in the creation, in the production, in the distribution, and sometimes even in the aggregation of content. So I will go a bit more granularly. On the film house side, we're involved in designing, developing, building, managing cinema locations across Nigeria primarily, and we're looking to expand into various parts of Africa. So that's what we do on, on the cinema side. Of course, the cinema serves to entertain. The cinema serves as a place of escapism for our team guests. The cinema serves to occupy uh, a vacuum that has been there for a long while. And by the long while, I mean anytime between the late 80s and the early 2000s. There were no cinemas. And even when the first modern cinema came back, Silverbird in Galleria in 2004, it still took another 10 to 11 years before we saw a bit of an explosion. So in 2004, there was one cinema. Now in 2021, there are about 70 odd cinemas in Nigeria. So we've seen it really grow. And like I said, the cinema serves to really entertain people. It's in darkened auditoriums, big sound, latest technology, latest mm-hmm. movies releasing in the US and the UK, and now a thriving local content industry that mm. you know can really go out. For us, it's about the out-of-home experience, about the social experience, it's about the film food, it's about the new wave of what I will call, I don't want to limit it to retail experience, but it's yeah. the entertainment experience, the quintessential entertainment experience that is frequent, as opposed to events that you would have for comedies or you have for music shows. Film House Cinema's first location was opened December 2012. Film One, we started off as a theatrical distribution business, that is a, a, a distribution business releasing films primarily to cinemas and not just to Film House Cinemas, but across cinemas across Nigeria and West Africa. And very, very quickly that expanded and it only made sense to progress into production financing. So we'll find a partner that knows and understands how to do the kind of films that we think will sell. We'll invest some money in that. Of course, we'll take the distribution rights. And very, very quickly, we got more data points on that. And I know there's questions coming up on, on those sites, so I won't overlap. Yeah. So we yeah. moved from theatrical distribution, found data points to open a production business. And I use the word creation because now we're generating ideas, story ideas, IP, that we own and then we do aggregation where we might not own the right of the film but we aggregate content on behalf of major partners that find it laborious or cumbersome to start doing singular deals with local creators or local filmmakers so we aggregate content on a specific basis for a specific platform we've been doing that for five years now so that's what we do on the film one side a fully content service business from creation to distribution Wow. They say it's good to talk because I don't think half of what you've just described, I'm not sure if I search the net, I'll find that. So we've now populated content onto the net, which is good. I initially described this as an empire. I really, like I said, when people think film house, they just think cinema, but it's beyond cinema. So based on what you have reeled out and it's evident that film house has expanded the value chain. And with you at the helm of affairs, being involved in production, distribution, and of course, bricks and mortar, the cinema. Do you 
think your involvement gave you unique data or should I say distinctive understanding of the endpoint user compared to your competitors? So yes and no. Yes, in the sense that we were deliberate um, about the sector we we're going into. Yes, mm. in the sense that we had previous experience. So myself and my co-founder have worked in the cinema business since 2001. And we started off as essentially floor staff or what you call team members. So we learned from the ground up. Yes, because we've always dreamt of bringing that great world-class cinema experience. We've always dreamt about bringing it to Nigeria. We just didn't know how, and we just mm. didn't know when. No, because we had to also learn the Nigerian way. We had to understand the Nigerian consumer. We had to understand what kind of products work for them. What kind of marketing campaigns do they respond to? We had to learn how our local films will compete against international products when there was a gap in quality, when there was also a gap in funding, when there are a number of economic challenges. So, like I said, yes, we had the experience coming in, the passion coming in, the vision coming in, and I think that helped us to be focused. But no, because we still had to do the work. We had to put the work in to find those right data points. And in a way, maybe the overall answer to your question would be, yes, we got some very insightful, useful information that then made it important for us to play throughout the value chain, to not be content with just theatrical exhibition. By running cinemas, making sure they were affordable, making sure we were giving people a world-class experience at affordable prices, it meant that we had a lot of repeat visitors. It meant that we had a lot of feedback we could get from those guests. It meant that we could see firsthand what was working. And it meant that over time, when we also saw trends emerging, we could build that into a model for our distribution outfit. So it was not hard to then move into the distribution side. And once we went into the distribution side, you even got a lot more data. On the exhibition side, you got from the end user. But on the distribution side, you got in terms of the overall box office, for example. On the exhibition side, you might know per film. On the distribution side, we were able to see the overall picture. So I could see on the exhibition side as film house alone. On the distribution yeah. side, I can see the overall market and how films are performing. On the distribution side, I can see geographical analysis you know, in terms of what part of the country, what segment of the country was responding to what film, what time of the day were they responding to. So those analytics were definitely very useful and very, very interesting to us. And it made sense not to sit on or just be comfortable or complacent of what we had. And we definitely saw an opportunity. We definitely saw that, yes, we're not creatives, but we saw an opportunity to, in a way, lend our business eye and our passion to the various aspects. Yeah, I really like what you guys have done because you're not tunnel vision. And um, you've talked about creating opportunities for the various verticals. And I think that has made a difference in the industry. I know that initially, creating or making movies used to be not so great quality and you have to go out to make those movies but I mean the kind of movies that have been churned out now Oscar nominated <laughs> movies and well done to you guys you know it's an interesting way to also use the insight I also like what you just said about localizing those insights it's so important because one of the things we tend to do here is a copy and paste. We just think, oh, it works there. Bring it here and dump it. And you wonder why your business just goes extinct after uh, a little while. So 
Talking about scaling, in 2019, you became part of Endeavor program. And uh, we had the pleasure of hosting Aloha on a previous Experience Board episode. And we spoke about Endeavor's selection criteria, notably companies with vast potential to scale and founders that create impact both economically and in the entrepreneur ecosystem, which is what clearly you guys are doing. So in your own words, how would you describe Film One's impact so far when you look at your short to medium term plans, say two to four years, what does this next stage of scaling look like? I know it's wow. kind of hard visualizing 2021, considering, <laughs> but just there has to be plans. Yes. First off, hats off to Endeavor. Great network to be part of. Great minds, great entrepreneurs finding one way or the other to try to make impact. I, I think it's a great establishment to be part of. And I definitely want to join other entrepreneurs to look out to see how they can be part of this network. We're grateful to have a, a business that is deemed, you know, scalable and deemed one of those ones that has large prospects. I think in our modest, we've made some decent impact in the industry and indeed the economy. For one, I, I like to tell people we, we have 13 cinemas in seven states in the country. And for a business that is going to turn nine years old in December, I don't think we've done badly for an entertainment business. If you think about it, of course, we'd have loved to expand more rapidly, but of course, we've gone also through devaluations. We've gone through recessions. It's been difficult to raise capital and all that, even though we're fortunate enough to, to raise ours in 2014. So I think that we've been able to, of course, have cinemas across various parts of the country that has created jobs, that has created outlets for our filmmakers to show their films. That has meant that we've paid our own fair share to the tax man. I think that in terms of the social components, in terms of like just giving things for people to have a, a, a great time, I, I think that we've created impact in that way. Also, from the film one, the content side, I think that we've also, through our own models of, of collaborating with filmmakers, we've been able to give you know filmmakers a chance, tell their stories. We've been able to give them a chance and, and prove to them that this sector can be profitable, can be lucrative. We've shown that you can make your money even in cinema, even though it's supposed to be a whole value chain thing, it's supposed to be a full 360. It's not only cinema that is the outlet for making returns. So we've done things like that. We've also been able to make impact by showing that a Nigerian entertainment business can be properly structured. We have a, a board, we follow corporate governance rules. We have a, a very well-trained, well-oiled, well-nurtured workforce. We have institutional investments. So that has also meant that being able to strike international partnerships that gives us the credibility and that gives us the standing and regard in the global marketplace we've been able to put ourselves up for those kind of partnerships. An example is the IMAX, the first IMAX screen in West Africa. We're proud to be partners to IMAX and we follow that up with MX4D, another major technology provider. And we're about to launch something called the D-Box in terms of our impact. So I could go on and on about, I think the impacts we've made, we are also at the forefront of that, either by attending film festivals or film markets, or either by supplying Nigerian films to 20 plus international airlines, or get Nigerians in a number of TV platforms. So I think in terms of impact, I'm glad to say that we've done our own fair share. You asked the question about short to medium term. Last year was 
a period that you know most people, most entrepreneurs who like to wipe off and not think about. And it was really gloomy, but it also presented some opportunities and it presented us a time to kind of really, really dig deep and position our company to be uh, challenge-proof. So yeah, entrepreneurs will go through challenges, but to be challenge-proof. That was the year where we launched, you know, highest batch of Nigerian films to the world's biggest internet TV platform, Netflix. That was also the year where we had back-to-back successes with those launches. It was the year where we found out we established more global relationships in terms of other platforms. So yes, the cinema were affected, but we launched technology platforms, you know, either on the technical side in packaging and delivery of content or fixes of content or localizing of content into other languages like French, Portuguese, German and, and, and Spanish. Or for example, we were able to do established relationship with other VOD platforms, with other pay TV partners, because then everybody was looking for content. And thankfully, mm-hmm. our strategy of amassing rights to the best content. So we wanted to play in the premium content space. Those things paid off for us. And so we're looking at the business. Yes, where we could have been whole, it was more like 30% of the business was working. It gave us a moment to kind of reflect that going forward, content is definitely king. Going forward, Nigerian content, there is something about it that has hit a right note that now global platforms see Nigerian film as proper film. How do we play in that space? And that then brings me to the short to medium term objectives or goals that we want. We want to scale, we want to be able to scale premium content going forward. How do we make premium content at a very high level that is competitive? How do we make enough of them, you know? And how do we, uh, in making this, ensure that the IP side of the intellectual property framework is is very very transparent is very fair as we said we are not creatives we have a number of creatives in-house we have to work with creatives how do we make sure that that framework is fair how do we make sure that that framework works for us as a business how do we ensure that cinemas are dependent more on local content and we don't have the external shock of not having international content that a lot of cinemas around the world are facing you know Mm. so for us those were the short-term problems or challenges that we needed to start fixing i'm grateful that we are definitely working towards that we are very bullish the early numbers that we've seen so far with after the lockdown with cinemas opening suggests that cinema penetration is still very low it suggests that cinema experience is still most desired suggests that in a lot of mall developments a lot of all the real estate people going into more developments and retail developments cinemas are now looking like the proper ankles therefore how do we get into those developments in a cost-effective way? How do we work with developers to ensure that our capex are contained and, and we can expand fast? What can we do about that mass market cinema? That probably will be our medium to long term. That's something what we're thinking about because we've seen a lot of local consumption. When I say local consumption, I mean local consumption of local films. We need to pay good money for it. So yeah. are we leaving money on the table by not tapping into that mass market audience that might not be able to pay 2K, but might be able to pay 500 or 700? And of course, how can we have a digital alternative? We'll do that in short term. So if I summarize, how do we scale premium content to make it available across platforms? How do we also ensure that we're working creatively with developers to have an expansion of our, our business? And how do we solve the mass market entertainment equation? Those are our plans going in.
Very impressive. You clearly have spent 2020 thinking about your strategy. It's like I say to most people that if you did not benefit anything out of 2020, then (laughs) it's a disadvantage. Despite all that was happening, it just gave everyone the opportunity to reset and just go back to the drawing board. And clearly, that's what you've done. So like they say, the show must go on. And well done to that. So we're going into another segment, which is emerging trends. And you've talked a lot about the, the trends that are happening out there. When we think it's kind of difficult not to talk about pandemic, when you think about 2020, and and how it's impacted businesses. And the realities of this, of the pandemic and its global disruption to film was very, very obvious to us as consumers. I was deeply impacted. I'm a cinema goer. Like you rightly said, the experience I enjoy. I'm the very, probably few, maybe, I don't know how many people you would have if you've done any survey around it. I enjoy the side commentary. So yeah, what is it is I, such a unique, amazing experience. Oh my goodness. Like it, the Nigerian experience needs to be packaged and exported. Honestly, seriously, you, you just you know Nigerians have a different kind of drama. We have a different way of, of adding things together. Um mm. really miss going to the cinema. I remember, you know, researching, you said sometime in June, you said that the cinema had lost five billion naira in losses for film house. I'm sure the impact went obviously beyond just the cinema, but for us consumers, we see the cinemas. Walk us through your disruption story. What was your initial reaction following the lockdown and what did you have to do to respond or even adapt? You've kind of touched on it, but if you can just... So we knew that something was happening, right? I I had a meeting with my partner, Kenneth, and was like, guy, this thing is rapidly coming. Mm. What do we do? But you know what took us by surprise was how fast things were changing. I remember there was a particular week in the March that we got down, where on Monday we were preparing to go to Las Vegas for a conference that they had told us that definitely, definitely it would happen. By Wednesday, the program had, had, had canceled. Had canceled. By Friday, we had been told that we Lagos would close maybe in two weeks. By mm. Monday. Lagos are closed all the week. Lagos shut down. Oh my goodness. It was moving so fast that even if you wanted to be proactive, the, the latest challenge will set you back because emotionally you're looking at how to react. You're also thinking, okay, how do you start protecting assets? You yeah. don't have too much time to maneuver, so much time to think. And in our case, you're talking about some places where we had ordered stock. In our case, we had maybe just paid off rent for the full year. And, and a lot of those payments were made on cash flow projections. In our case, it was a bunch of things that like, which one do you start tackling? A bunch of, you know, commitments that have been made. How do you, so first of all, let me tell you, it was chaos. Then it yeah. went to confusion. <laughs> then there was a period of calm where yeah. you cannot help the chaos and confusion. Just be calm and keep a level head. About what to do next, you know? And I think that it was a place of calm and I have to pay tribute to a great board that we have. And we put so much faith and confidence in us, you know, that just like we met regularly, myself and my co-founder, we share a great relationship. We've been best friends for years. So we had had a moment to really look at this thing very critically and say, what moves do we make? How do we work on which bill was climbing up? How do we pay Hmm. them? How do we communicate that? Of course, 
the issues with our real estate uh, arrangements and, and the cinemas. So it was, how do we start talking to each of the stakeholders, you know? And so it was a range of, once we were calm, we were clear-headed as well, exactly what to do. We also knew that it was important to keep our board and shareholders informed that as much as this thing could have the potential to derail everything, you know, we have things under control. Sure. What also was a bit unclear was how long this thing was going to last for. Yeah. You know, I know, and I'll give it to one of my colleagues, Anthony, who was here. We, we thought he was out of his mind. He said, it looks like this thing is going to be at least six months. True to form. And I'm sure you guys would have almost racked him down. You know, like... I wanted to be like, why are you just being negative? But <laughs> see it all play out. In the end, we were locked down for seven months. Yeah. You know? So it was perfect in, in terms of his predictions. So, you know, we didn't know how to plan. You know, but we just had to take decisions when we had to. Yeah. Like I said, support of the board, support of the shareholders, that really helped us. And I have to say, having our association, the Cinema Distributors Association of Nigeria, okay. the Film, and, Film, and, Film Distributors Association of Nigeria, that also helped a lot. I'm Secretary of the Cinema Distributors Association of Nigeria. So, you know, interfacing and working with the association also helped take away the burden of one yeah. company. You yeah. know, yes. Yeah. We collectively engaged the challenges, we collectively engaged government, you know, and it also gave us the opportunity to educate government and stakeholders about our, the importance of our business to the entertainment ecosystem, about the fact that, you know, as much as it looked like indoor arenas and venues were at risk, that generally cinemas could also control the spread, you know, sure. we were able to, you know, prove a case. And essentially, you know, we've adapted. We've had to, you know, deal with 33%, you know, capacity restrictions, 50% outside Lagos. Deal with also making sure that we've upheld COVID-19 protocols. You know, it, had, it taught us that we had to scale down in terms of, of, of staffing as well. So in terms of adapting, we've had to. But, you know, the initial reaction, as with anyone, was just all these things that we've built. For a sector that people love, yeah. cannot make business sense of you know that's the biggest thing with in nigerian yeah. people yeah. love to be entertained and people love to entertain but nobody understands the business of it the, the, the science spent, behind it yes and you've spent a lot of years creating a structure and then this seismic attack comes but i think in the end looking back i don't think it can get any worse i think we've built some kind of thick skin and some kind of like Resilient you know that okay, there are some things we were not prepared for, but going forward, we will not be caught napping anymore. Sure, sure, sure. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty in the whole, I would say, the silver lining of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go a little bit more into because what we've just described is the disruption mega trend. We saw a global shift towards direct to consumer platforms. Disney launched Disney Plus, Netflix acquired large film releases. So on one hand, there was an immediate response to mitigate major losses, but it also reveals more long-term strategic aims, like you said. It now seems as though not only was online streaming convenient pivot, it has fundamentally changed the way our films are going to be released going forward. How would you describe the new normal with the way things are being shaped out? So I would say, first of all, by the way, in 2020, 74% down in revs, you know, yes. uh, so huge, huge losses in that compared to 2019. 
74% down. At the time I was talking to you about 5 billion, you know, we have gross box office revenues, but that's the one that on ticket sales, people don't see, yeah. we don't um, disclose what we sell for popcorn and drinks or what sure. we do for screen advertising or what we do for activation. So without missing words, it was a down year, you know, it, it was huge losses, you know, but hey, it's not, not it's not peculiar to us. I wonder if what we're saying, what are the airline guys saying? What are the hoteliers saying? What that kind of stuff? So it was not peculiar to us. Seventy-four percent is major. Seventy-four percent is major. Honestly, you know that we're here. Like I said, that I'm, I'm smiling, you know, <laughs> and we're able to talk and talk passionately yeah. because there are times when it's been very depressing. You know, passion. Really. Passion is the key. We thank God. Yes, and I pride myself in that. In always being passionate, and and I hope it continues to stay that way. But you've addressed and you've looked at the very key highlights in 2020. But I like to look at the positive, you know. For me, I think, you know, Ada, to be honest, I think Nigeria has been immune to those mm. global trends. In more mature markets, there's a complete pivot to, you know, the um, direct-to-consumer, to the VOD platforms. In Nigeria, I struggle to say there's been a pivot. Rather, I, I say there's been an opening, an awakening, uh, a realization of another platform, another outlet, which if well managed, will be complementary. Markets, it may be dilutionary, it might be subtractive. In Nigeria, I would like to think that it is complementary. And I'll tell you for a few reasons. You just talked about that social component that you cannot reenact anywhere, not in your home. If you wanted to do 50, 60 people at home, it's just not made up for that. That is a Nigerian experience. That's not what even what you get in Ghana. You will not get it in Congo. We are those kind of people that are expressive, right? And there is no value you can put on that. And that's my experience for that. Honestly, for me, gives me a lot of confidence. And I'll tell you, for example, the film of Mogeto, you should watch it with people. I've watched the film of Mogeto alone, and I've watched it with people, and the experiences are not the same. Hmm. Now, think that, that's very, very different from the fact that there's a big screen, big sound, and you're eating. That's another social component. That's different from the fact that as Nigerians, we like to be very, very communal. You are going to launch opening a water business. You will launch the birth of your child. You will celebrate yes. the life of your father or mother if they've passed. Yeah. You will yeah. celebrate the launch of your car. Yeah. You will celebrate <laughs> making a billion. You will celebrate getting a contract. Yeah. You want communal experiences. When you get a, a film very well made that speaks to your experience, that speaks to mm -hmm. a character that you know. And I know that it, a lot of this sounds like very passionate and all that, but look at it very, very critically. It is so difficult to replace those kind of experiences. Mm. And that's why for us, we are preaching complementary. That's why for us as a business, we're very focused on, let's continue to make the best content. That's why for us, we're preaching, let's continue to market the best content, giving people the best experiences in our cinemas, right? If we continue to do that and we continue to scale cinemas, right? People will go and people will pay for it. In the last nine weeks, a local film in a pandemic, with reduced auditorium capacity is set to beat the record holder of the highest grossing film by 150 million. Whoa. Omoghetto is closing Whoa. to 600 million. Whoa. A lot of people argue, oh, did he have competition? Argue back to them. There was Wonder Woman that's made almost 450 million. 
I'll argue back to them, there was Quam's money that's made almost 100 million. I'll argue back to them, there was Rattlesnake that's made over 17 million. So it was not about, oh, there's no other film to compete with it. It yeah. was that people made a deliberate, concerted effort to go and see those films. Now, yeah. that's speaking from a biased point of view on cinemas. Did the VOD platform do something for the whole ecosystem? For sure, particularly mm. Netflix. They deserve a lot yeah. of credit. They were deliberate to come here and deliberate in also not going for one or two titles. They've gone for a bouquet of titles. The value has been good for the industry, but the value has been good to Netflix as well. They have mm. data points. They have analytics about this market. And trust me, none of those American companies come to sit down. Once yeah. there is an opportunity, they want to maximize it. And here, they will not be you know, willing to maximize. So there's been a symbiotic value. But I think that's opened up an opportunity. And it's shown people what we think with Omogeto now. So Omogeto makes this money in cinema, but can then license to Netflix. And the fact that we're also showing that there's also local watching, you know, on, on VOD platform means that hopefully we can attract a few more. We yeah. can think that those that create the best content can also be well compensated, which can be ambitious to make bigger films. By being ambitious means that we'll be able to hopefully employ more people and pay them better. Yeah. All of those people earning all the value means that they can pay taxes, means track trickle down you know, and the economy benefits from it. Absolutely. So I'm not a big of emerging trends that disrupt in the sense of taking away from another industry that is finding its feet. I feel like for the Nigerian case, and it, the onus is on us that are, are the leaders in the sector, for the Nigerian case, the onus is on us to ensure that they're complementary. And what do I mean by this? How are we engaging the stakeholders? How are we engaging the policymakers? How are we engaging all these platforms to ensure that we can have a win-win scenario you know, for the Nigerian, you know, content creator. I like what you've done in terms of looking at disruption from an opportunity perspective, as opposed to a risk. You know, most times when people think disruption, you know, they just think of the negative, but you've clearly identified, used disruption to identify um, opportunities. So thumbs up to you guys. I was going to ask a question, like a follow-up question, but let me even just hear your thoughts on it. I know that same day releases, yeah. It's happening out there. Do you think that would threaten cinemas in our own local context? So I know that Warner Brothers announced that they were releasing films on HBO Max, and they were also releasing cinemas doing at the same time. Do you think that's... I can't really work it out. Is it a good or bad mix? Is it creating opportunity? Is it diluting? I really don't know. What are your thoughts around so my that? Thoughts, my thoughts are, firstly, on the Warner Brothers one, because that's the one that we can see and make reference to. Yeah. I don't think it's something that is sustainable. I don't think that's something that makes business sense. Uh, but mm. for the pandemic, given that a lot of cinemas are not opened, I think that, you know what? It's almost a gesture of, and we're in a world where the truth is, the direct-to-consumer, uh, like I said, in more mature markets, the direct-to-consumer platforms are seen as real surge, you know, so we cannot deny that. In Nigeria, mm -hmm. our issues with infra uh, internet infrastructure, your know, internet connectivity means that maybe we're not the penetration, you know. Yeah. So I, I would say that the, the Warner Brothers um, scenario, and you know we represent them here exclusively, and I don't want yeah. to be a spokesperson for them, but I, I imagine that it's temporary. For yeah. Nigeria, going specifically to your question, the simple one, you do that, you really, really, really put the cinema industry at risk. I yeah. think that there is no need to rush to that. I feel mm -hmm. like 
let's get our cinema to a saturation point let's really realize the value that cinema can bring before we you know we deal with a big blow without allowing it to even try we yeah. haven't done anything yet look last year um, 2019 ada we did i think it was 6.4 billion in 2019 it's a country of 200 million people but that 6.4 billion i think was generated from about 55 cinemas right imagine what it would have been if it was 300 cinemas or if it was yeah. 500 cinemas you know those are the kind of things that we need to look at and imagine yeah. that is happening for example all the big you know global platforms like netflix increase their subscriber base immeasurably because so we want to be entertained who we'll watch in cinemas but we like the film so much we we'll wait for it on netflix too yeah. so why, yeah. why why affect each other let the yeah. cinemas have their exclusive stuff right and let the, the, the vod platforms as you know the platforms would take the cinema stuff but they also make their own exclusives that you can see on yeah. their own platform alone so why yes. do you want to share on the yeah. cinema with windows one when you are also doing your exclusive work? so why do we need to do that and that's why it's very important for us when nigeria is nigeria sits in a very very peculiar position you know where it is a strong local content creation market hmm. it is a stronger local content consumption market it is hmm. a relative virgin market in terms of cinema expansion. Sure. It's been proven that the local consumers will pay top dollar to watch their films on the big screen. Why do we want to realize that value? Why do mm. we want to say we're following the bandwagon? Why do mm. we get too distracted? We have to be careful about that bandwagon effect. You know, the fact that it works elsewhere doesn't mean it will work in our own environment. Speaking to localization, So you talked on something we talked about you broadband. <laughs> so let's bring this discussion sort of closer to home. Nigerian broadband penetration sits at 43% and mobile data consumption is quite expensive. So amassing huge online streaming market comes with different challenges. Where do you see the major market differences shaping streaming on demand prospects? in Nigeria is it a simple equation that as penetration increases streaming would become more lucrative you know you've touched a bit but so i don't look i let's not miss words about it i think there's a huge opportunity with the cinema business the brick and mortar sure. i'll be honest with you there's a bigger opportunity with the streaming and digital we're sure. seeing what e-commerce is doing to our economy yeah. we're seeing the employment is doing we're seeing the wealth that is being created We're seeing people setting up businesses on just a social media platform, not necessarily yeah. setting up a commerce website. Instagram, the amount of businesses on Instagram, the amount of people, you know, that are doing great things on Instagram. We're seeing yeah. what streaming platforms have done for our music and popularizing yeah. them, you yeah. know. So look, if we get our acts together, put the right policies in place, red enabling environment in place. Streaming of course will be very 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 important to the industry. everything we're saying about structuring and making sure these things are complementary is what they were doing in those mature markets 10 12 years ago you know and of course in the name of disruption that's why like i said it's dilutive or it's taken away we are at the forefront now where we can structure those windows and ensuring that as government is investing you know in streaming or investing in internet infrastructure we're just making sure the other part the cinema part we're ensuring that is also protected there is a way we can ensure that happens you know if we invest correctly i mean you know the government keeps going on and on about enabling environmentalities of doing business and i'm like 
if we just make the right moves in terms of infrastructure, we've done the rail, we're doing the mm. roads. Let's just look at this broadband. Let's look at this internet thing. Let's get even private companies to come together. We're already a content hub, like where we create two thousand, we we make over two thousand movies a year. Yeah. We're ready. We have that pipeline to feed, you know, this kind of infrastructure. Let's prioritize it. You prioritize this thing, and it opens up a great deal. It opens up more platforms you know um, internet tv platforms it opens up you know streaming platforms what that means is that we can create content for all these platforms we attract you know international platform everybody competes on best content they have you're also generating revenue for the, the country at large absolutely absolutely we've seen that this e-commerce thing works right now i think we always find you know when the private sector has found a way out of stuff we now find ways of stifling find ways of oh let's regulate i'm like you regulate to not control but to enhance and not you don't regulate to hold back you know and those are the things that we need to you know start correcting i went into the almost political and regulatory terrain because i think that's what has held us back in unlocking you know the opportunities in the the streaming platform i really think that's a no-brainer there's some people that the truth is that it might be cheaper for them to watch you know via their device and they'll just want a proper internet connection. Just look at our mobile penetration, but in terms of smartphone or in terms of phone use, in terms of numbers, in terms of internet use, that penetration is stronger and real than being able to scale, you know, brick and mortar across the country. So we've got to look at these things at where the immediate opportunity is and how practical it is to take advantage of the opportunity. That direct to consumer one, that streaming is there for us, it's there for the taking. Yeah, you know, one of the things you've also mentioned, I think and maybe association that you're the secretary to it's also maybe carrying these regulators along sometimes they don't know what is expected of them it's important that we also inform them and just carry them along just showing them what the benefits and the potential could could be in saying that we had one of our recent experience called um series we had the regional director of the british council nigeria and she spoke about funding opportunities from government and subsidies in other countries like the UK. Now, of course, that's drying up. There are more important things to deal with, especially in this pandemic time. But one of the things that has come out of that is that they're eyeing the Nollywood industry. They're looking at how, what your financing model is like. The whole do-it-yourself, bootstrapping, low-cost, fast production, I mean, that's something that has obviously turned into a use case for them. What part of Nollywood's business model has the greatest interest from collaborators regionally and globally? You know, so now, like you rightly mentioned, everybody's looking to come in and they're coming in because they've gotten the insight. They see that this is a thriving market, but there are one or two indices that saying to them, okay, these are people we want to partner with. So what would you say is different about, I've talked about the do it So what's different about um, the Nollywood business model? Our stories. And I'm sure, depending on what part of Lagos you are in, there's a story you are seeing every day. Our stories are endless. Our stories are unique to us. You know, the way they are formed, the way they are, you know, conceived, the way they are expressed. Our stories stand out. In experience stands out. That's one. Two, our budget points, even for high-end production, 
generally our budget points, maybe because of where we are now that we're now getting into the global marketplace, our budget points are relatively, you know, I don't want to call it cheap, but they are affordable. Affordable. And therefore you're thinking like, if there was any markets in the world that you wanted to scale with authentic stories, it would be Nigeria. And if you were even worried, guess what? Their local consumption tells you that if all the infrastructure things are there, then you could even, you know, take that bet on that local market, not just even trying to do it to export. And the truth is more spotlight on the country. There's more education about who we are. Yeah. Some people dysfunctional, for some people, for some people expressive, creative, a dynamic yeah. country, a country that stands out, a country that is so diverse, but yet they're united with this creativity from north to south, west to east, you know, and, and every, it's now very apparent. And look, what I keep saying to people is we must take advantage of that spotlight. Absolutely. You know? And I can, I can see film one entertainment is definitely tapping into that spotlight. In September, you guys became exclusive distributors of all Disney movies in Anglophone West Africa. I think that's huge. You know, like showcasing Nigeria in the right light. You know, and yeah. we expect more of that. And I'm hoping that the likes of the LBLCs, the business schools, can see a case study here, potential case study. So let's switch it up a bit. Let's talk technology. You clearly understand data and you understand the power behind data. In recent years, we've seen improvements in the quality of data around movie going. Talked about it in Nigeria and especially around the financial data. In driving partnerships, we've talked about some of the partnerships that you already have with major international platforms. My question is twofold. Do you think we are losing out on visibility over end-user data, which could drive industry development? And what role do you see more advanced data collection and analytics playing in the future of Nollywood? Fantastic, great question. So I'll take the first part. I think there's a danger of not having access to end-user data, particularly as we are, I continue to say, in our infancy mode, particularly with yeah. this direct-to-consumer, you know, uh, VOD uh, world that yeah. we find ourselves. There's a danger that we, we do not know who's watching, how long they're watching, what they're watching, yeah. how many of them are watching. There's a danger that we are, you know, giving over, you know, to the big players. But for us as a business, we're looking at that and we want to be competitive. We actually had a VOD platform for some years that we had to then rework and we're relaunched. And I've always said that it's important that there has to be local players that finds a niche for themselves and also involved in getting these data points, you know? And that leads on to the second point because data has been very instrumental to what we're doing as a media entertainment company. It's been critical to our growth and our success. So from the cinemas, we're able to get a range of demographics you know, of even before we were able to get back-end analytics, but even on the cinema floor, we're able to see the kinds of people that were coming to our cinemas and the kinds of people were also specific to geographical areas. So for me, in answering your question, data points, critical, critical, you know, to Nollywood's development. You know, as a people as well, we love bespoke, personalized treatment. We love when, you know, our, our, our bank wishes us happy. And I think that is the next layer of the kind of uh, uh, service delivery, of the kind of experiences that we want to give, where 
beyond the cinema, beyond you watching on Netflix. It's more personalized. So on the cinema side, we've launched our e-commerce platform where you can buy tickets, you know, online. We're launching a, a VOD platform that I would like to share information about, but it's going to be the first of its kind in this part wow. of the world wow. where it has a VOD component, but has a special component that is coming. So yeah. on, on one hand, it's B2B. On another hand, it's B2C. We're able to get really rich data that we can act on and, and hopefully, you know, a lot really help grow this industry. Well done. Like I mentioned earlier, you, you guys are clearly using data. So still on technology, cinema, like you have clearly explained, is an experience-driven economy. When Filmhouse launched almost 10 years ago, your goal was to provide modern cinemas locally. What was your vision of a modern cinema then? What do you think about the modern cinema of the next five to 10 years? And which technologies will be key in improving? So 10 years ago, it seems so ancient to the future. Fantastic. So I, I, I'll say some things off the cuff. I, so 10 years ago, when we were building cinemas and we we're bringing cinemas in, we wanted a cinema in Nigeria that can compete with any cinema in the world. And if you look at our flagship, I like to think, plant that flagship in any cinema in the world, it will not be out of place. So a cinema that from the ambience, from your experience buying popcorn and drinks, from your experience at home, if you wanted to book your tickets, you know, that's kind of cinema we wanted. We also wanted a cinema that we gave them all that experience for an affordable price. We wanted a cinema with a strong brand, you know, strong brand identity, strong values. That's the cinema we envisaged 10 years ago. You know, you talk about the cinema of the future, Five to 10 years, of course, everything is about how you infuse technology. So for me is how do we include machine learning and artificial intelligence into what we're doing? How, for example, you know, can we partner with an Uber or a boat? And, you know, as I'm booking my Uber, I can book my tickets and I can book for my food. Is how do we incorporate virtual reality? How will virtual reality work in Nigeria? How do we take away the impediments for people? How do we reward those, you know, consistent cinema goers? Reward them in a very personalized but valuable way. But they know that, oh, these people really know and care about how much I'm spending with them. You know, for me, also about how do we create interactive, you know, communal, you know, environments in our cinemas? How do we create disability-friendly cinemas using technology? How do we ensure that we make cinema work or cinema careers? How do we make sure that they are not necessarily trendy, but attractive? How do we give them dignity? You know, for yeah. me, those, those are the things to think about for the next five to yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Interesting. I can have VR headsets. For yeah. instance, to watch maybe the previews take 15 minutes. I, I wondered, maybe I should have asked this question earlier. Have you guys thought about outdoor cinemas, especially in COVID times? Would they work in the environment? A lot of people ask us about mobile cinemas, outdoor mm. cinemas. And we say, you know, it's a nice theoretical idea. In idea. terms, it's not as viable. Everything from the kind of systems that you use, everything from the kind of locations that you use, it slants towards evening performances, where with the curfew, we could have only one or two shows then, if you were lucky. Because, and then there are security issues. You write, no. there, are, there are cinema ticketing system issues. And then how do you power? 
nice to have. It is a nice, nice to have. It's a nice to get high on. Oh, it's an idea. Yeah. But when you break down the, the we'll see another ten years. We'll probably be having a different discussion. Fingers crossed. Is is this Nigeria? You, you never you never know. I remember in 2017, IMAX launched several VR multiplexes, but the cinemas were not commercially viable and were eventually shut shut down. But we've seen smaller film projects as uh, example, Daughters of Shibok documentary, which was the first African film to win an award at the Venice Film Festival. Now with companies, Facebook is coming up with Oculus to lower the price of VR heads. Do you think that VR could change the movie watching? I mean, do you actually think that this could change watching experience or movie watching model? So the VR experience is something I'm actually curious about, but I'm also excited about in a way. Curious in the sense to just see how it unfolds, how practical it, it is to wear your headsets for two hours. But in terms of the experience, I've watched stuff for two minutes and it is indeed more than immersive. Like yeah. it, is, it is as real as they come. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what that is. For me, like everything I've said today, adapt. I think that it's just great to see people innovate. It's great yeah. to see people think differently about stuff. And I think this can be very complimentary. So let's drop the tempo a bit and let me ask random questions. So I have three random questions. One was given to us by previous guests, but let me start with my first two. What's the last prediction you got wrong? Wow. Yes. <laughs> What was the last prediction I got wrong? End in two months, maybe. I'm strong. So typically we always have debates about what films we make. I'm always right about a hit film. Yeah, but I honestly thought COVID, when we got shot, I thought that we would have been opened by June 1. So I was wrong about that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Some people go very political, so I'm glad that you stayed within. (laughs) I'll I'll say, let me say safe. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for keeping it safe. Oh my goodness. is what's one view you seem to find very few people agree on? Wow. These ones are even harder than the main questions. Like, <laughs> don't think film one. Don't just think generally. It clearly shows you're very passionate about your business. A lot of people feel the cinema industry is dead or there's no future. I don't think they think so now. I think maybe when you guys started, they probably thought bunch of jokers. But I don't think anybody would say that now in nigeria probably they might be even on the fence but globally mm. outside on the macho markets people are just like yeah wow wow yeah. that's interesting that's yeah. interesting okay okay interesting so my last question or the last question this question emerged from our previous guests we spoke to reni folawio founder of okay. And we also spoke to Chef Tolu Erogobo, founder okay. of Erox and Co. Chef Ero. And the question is around, so working in arts, balancing commercial appeal and creativity is always hard. So the question is, would you rather your next film be the biggest grossing film globally for 2021 or your next film win the Oscar and for Oscar. best would you say? Did you say an Oscar? So I, 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 I want my, my film to be the biggest grossing film globally. And then I can use proceeds to go and make a film for Oscar. <laughs> I like that. 
You're such a Nigerian man. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You know, for me, for me, the proceeds are needed desperately here. So if yes. I got the biggest grossing film globally, that yes. is a billion um, um, dollars. That is yes. transformative. And then I can go on and gamble to make 10 various films that I bet on one of them to make the Oscars. I love that. I really like that. Well done. So we say that disruption is interrelated. What is one perspective you'd like to get from our next guest? I don't know the next guest. With probably in the VR space, it can be a general question. Okay. If you don't mind me saying two, number one, if what is your perspective about the investment culture in, in Nigeria, you know? And then secondly, what is their take on what the private sector can do to change the course of governance? And when I mean governance, I mean, you know, political governance in Nigeria. What What is their take on what private sector can do to actually influence governance, the kind of governance that we all want to see? There's a lot of intellectuals who are always complaining like, it's not that we don't know these people that we're guessing. So can we be a bit more deliberate? So, for example, if all the private people, and sorry that I'm going political, every kind, kind of said, you know what, a very smart person, you know, the last time was Mr. Gladiola, you know, we're going to back you fully. Private sector is going to fully, fully back you. Let's turn this country around. How would that look like? So it would be great to get their perspective. Two, yeah, three, two years. Two, to make a yeah. difference. I wish you, is it going to be status quo? Just, you know roll with the punches, and then we'll complain. You know we can debate, we'll complain, complain, but nobody's really putting their best foot forward. But neither here nor there. I want to say thank you so, so much. I really, really enjoyed chatting with you, and I was completely blown away with your answers, food for thought for everybody listening. I think it's going to be a good series, good episode to latch on to. And like I said to, to you, it's about time a cake body comes up with this whole industry. It's about time and what you guys are really doing. So thank you. Thank you for making us proud. The world watching, you know. So keep doing you. Keep doing good. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Really enjoyed the questions and the conversations. And like you said, we're giving you guys back the challenge. Let's stop folding our arms. You know the private sector let's see what we can do particularly in the entertainment sector join us in what we're doing i agree i agree i agree pleasure have a wonderful wonderful weekend and stay safe thank you moses thank you so much take care all right then take care bye-bye